In today's daf is daf Memhei, and today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas, Shifra Shulamit, Bas Hirsch, Hirsch Leib HaKohen, and Yeshua Yitzchak, Ben Shaul Ruvain Halevi. May the Neshama have an Aliyah, and may their memory be a blessing. Um, yeah, I think it's just about se- uh, seven on this, seven and ten miles of uh, Gomorrah. I'll try not to make it go too long. <coughs> uh, interesting. So we're continuing with our discussion of Hefker. Remember we brought, and this is all according to Rabbi Yochman's way of learning, a machlokes, a fundamental machlokes in how Hefker works. According to the Rabbonin, as soon as you are mafkir something, it leaves your rishos. And according to Rabbi Yossi, it only really leaves your rishos once it's come, once there's been a zechia, once someone else has come and, come and taken it out. And the difficulty with that is we then have, we brought a price that seemed to say, the first half seemed to be like Rabbonin, and the second half seemed to be like Rabbi Yossi, just very simply, because the first half of the price said that, again, you have three days, we discussed why three days, because of the criminals, the, I don't know, criminals, right, it's a scam, a ramoim, underhanded, people who behave underhanded, um, and then uh, from then, so it says you have three days. From then onwards, you're not allowed to retract. That sounds to be very much like Rebbe, like the Rabbonin, because according to Rebbe it doesn't leave your Rishus until someone else comes and takes it. So even if it's been uh, three months, why can't you retract? So that's the first part. And then the second of the price was that if you make it hefker for a specific amount of time, even if it's seven years, as long as no one else has come and acquired it, you can retract. And you should not be able to retract from the moment you've made it hefker. So that's how that was the brysa. We then came and gave two explanations, two ways of learning the brysa. Ulla came and he explained the brysa all according to the Rabbonin. And he said, ah, oh, so, but then we have a question. According to the Rabbonin, then why in the second clause can you can the owner retract until all the way until someone else has acquired it? Again, remember, he said it's healthcare for seven years, healthcare for a year, and until, unless someone else acquires it, he can always retract. But shouldn't it, he not be able to retract? So that's what uh, Uli explained. No, we see this is a, not the word is a weak, a weak healthcare, a reluctant healthcare, because he's saying it's healthcare for a year, it's a for a time limit. So that reluctance, manifests itself also into the mechanics that he actually is only releasing it when the other person acquires it. And normally when a person makes a healthcare, he's going through with it and it leaves his rishus immediately. But, but the Rabbon holds, if he's mafkir for a certain amount of time, well then he's doing a reluctant healthcare and it only leaves his rishus at the end. That was Ula. Rabbi Reish Lokish came along and he said, no, the whole price is Rebbe Yossi. And his, his whole concern was, oh, then why in the first part do they say that after three days you can no longer retract? He said that was a gzairah de Rabbonon, that people don't forget the concept of Hefker. We were concerned that, remember, it has major ramifications in Maser. Um, if I can... Um, you can't... If it's never been Hefker, then you have Doraisa. If it has been Hefker, again, depending if it falls into one of these Zeratraponim, you only have Midraponim. If it's been proper Hefker, then you're not having Master at all. So if people always heard that you can always retract, 
they would think basically nothing ever becomes Hefker because I can always, I can declare it Hefker and I can then say actually no. So it sounds like Hefker is more like a gift. I take my land and I give it straight to you. So therefore he wanted to clarify. The Chazal came along and said no, there are times when it is Hefker to clarify that. Um, so that was the that was the two ways of learning the Brisa. We then brought a challenge on Reish Lakish. And this is the challenge is what we left off with yesterday. I'll read it quickly. We won't explain it as carefully. But it's the third last line, the third line on Mem Dalad Amud Beis. That's why I don't feel too bad reading a few more lines of Gemara. Macy, they, they challenge us. Hamafgir has Karamola Shachar Amadu Batra. If he declared his field Hefger, his vineyard Hefger, and in the morning he walked in it and started harvesting, He's in these gifts to the poor people, the bunches left behind when he forgets in the field and the corner that he has to leave. However, he is exempt from Maser. Now, you can read this price easily according to Ula. Why? It's Ula. Remember, Ula said the previous price was all the Rabbonon. And the Sarabonin who hold that it's released immediately, the Orisa, as soon as you say something is Hefker, it's not yours. So therefore, at night, when this person said, I declare my vineyard Hefker, in the morning immediately, and then it's immediately Hefker, and when he comes in the morning, it's a new acquisition, and therefore he's Potter on Maser. That uh, fits in very well. Again, Udo Orisa, there is a Xerid Rabonin that it has to only kicks in after three days. But Doraisa, that's how it works. Elorish Lokish, am I Potter? I'm but Lokish. Why is he exempt from Maser? The run explains that when he walks into the field in the morning and starts harvesting, unless he specifies otherwise, he's retracting on his Hefker the previous night. If he specifies, oh, I made it Hefker, I'm reacquiring it, okay, fine. But if he just walks in, he says at night at supper, he says, you know what, that, that vineyard, I'm Mafker. And then in the morning he walks in and starts harvesting, we can assume it's a retraction of his Hefker. So why should it be Potter from Maser? So Omar Lechor Reish Lokish, this is a new point. Reish Lokish says to you, this is the first answer, Ki Omri Anel Rebi Yosi, or Rabbonanu. Yeah, well, I was explaining Rebi Yosi, and this Brysa is Rabbonan. He's not arguing in anything, he's just saying that this Brysa and the previous Brysa are two different authors. I was wondering, what's the difference? Like, why, why would you have assumed that they should be the same author? Maybe because they're both anonymous. Um... Not sure where the. Let me see, maybe, uh, I should actually see. Maybe it's where they're from. Uh, Brings a lot of Gomorrahs where uh, where else this price is brought. Um, maybe they both from the same Tosefta or something like that. Um, but either way, that would be. Uh, um, but yeah, so, so Reish Lokish is saying they're different authors. Um, that's the first answer. Second answer is Eboy's Ema. Alternatively, you can say, Hoda Afkere Ba'anfei Trin, Hoda Afkere Ba'ape Klasa. Here is where he made it Hefker before two people, and here is where he made it Hefker before three people. The first price uh, where the Hefker is weaker, and we say um, he can retract. That's where it's done before two people. The second b'risa, which we just learned that when he comes in the morning 
and it's already his potum in Amasa because it was a full hefker the night before, that's where it's done before three people. Why should it make it such a difference? Uh, uh, sorry, before two people, before three people, if it's done before three people. So the Ran basically explains that in general, hefker can't be undone. Uh, as soon as someone declares something hefker, when he goes, you're right, it only leaves his rishus when someone else goes and acquires it. But if he's the one who goes and acquires it, he would be the one acquiring it from Hefke, not retracting his original Hefke. That's, um, that's on a Doraisa level. And that's where... Yeah, that, that's the explanation of three. And now why is there a distinction between whether he makes it Hefke, I'm standing here in Afshir and I say I declare my phone Hefke when there's just two of you, or if I say in front of three people, this is Hefker. So the Ran explains the difference is when a person is mafkir before one or two people, he doesn't expect it to spread. If you say something, this also ties in with certain complete... Uh, they, they call it a leniency, but it doesn't, the leniency doesn't really exist. But um, like Loshan Hor, if you speak Loshan Hor in front of three people, there's certain aspects that it's different because it's considered public knowledge now. Once three you want three people know something, everyone knows it. Um, two people or one person, not so straightforward that everyone knows it. So when someone's mafkir something before two or one, I mean, I'm saying two or one, like Moe said two, but since many of you know two or one. Um, when someone's mafkir something between two or one person, it's very... Uh, um, it's very similar to a gift. Because I'm kind of expecting that one of you are the ones who are going to acquire it. Because if I wanted it, because no one else is going to find out that it's Hefker. So it's very similar to a gift. And that's why we, we, uh, it, when it's only before two people, we don't apply the full strength of Hefker that it kicks in immediately. However, when it's uh, three people, well then we say, Islay Kala. The word will spread. He's clearly doing it in a very public manner so that the whole world finds out that he's made that item hefker. And therefore, um, yeah, and uh, sorry, I don't know what they say. Yeah, so, so, so therefore, it's a real. Committed, it's called a hardcore hefker. So that's the difference. Very interesting in how similar is hefker to a gift. That's almost how I would understand when it's before two or one person. It's very similar to a gift. And therefore, he can retract and decide, you know, actually it wasn't hefker. But when it's before three people, that's when it's a. Again, he is using the mechanism of hefker. Look, I don't mind if either of you take it. And actually, if someone else would come and take it, they can. But since I'm only doing it in front of one or two people, it is very similar. I'm almost assuming that no one else is going to find out about it. So it's similar, more similar to a gift. And therefore, again, it doesn't get the status of Hefker immediately. And if I, I can retract and say, actually, it was not Hefker. Um, 
Ever again, if it's in front of three people, then I expect it to spread. I expect the whole world to know about it, and it's a complete hefker. Let's just finish the peric, and then we'll discuss a few interesting points. So he says, If someone is mafkir something before three people, it counts as hefker. If he's mafkir something before two people, it does not count as hefker. I not literally as and so far how we've explained it is a kind of hefker, but he can retract. And Rabbi Shua ben Levi, Omar Rabbi Shua ben Levi says, "Dvar Torah filu be'echor have a hefker." According to Torah law, even if it is one person, you say it's hefker before one person, it is considered hefker. Umatam Omru b'shloisha also. Why do Chazal come along and say you have to do hefker before three people? K'day sheyehei echod zoycher v'shnei meidim. In order that you have Two people, you have three, you have two, one person can acquire it, and the two people can testify that he acquired it. Yeah, so, so we have two opinions, but both allude to the fact that Hefker needs to be done before three people. In Shef, it does seem to be. Um, yeah, Tosos actually want to say that the first opinion, Rabbi Yochanan, who says the name of Rabbi Shimon Yotzerik, is going like Rabbi Yosi. And the other opinion, um, Rabbi Shoben Levi, is like the Rabbonat. Um, and according to the Rabbonat, you don't need, the Raisa Hefker doesn't need three people. But Rabbi Shoben Levi says, Chazal came along and made a good practice. He says, You want to make something Hefker, make sure it's in front of three people. Or because what's going to happen? He's going to make it hefker. Someone's going to come and take it. So I'll make my phone hefker. Come and take it. A few hours or a few days later, I can say, well, actually, I don't want it to be hefker, and that's mine. And as far as everyone's always seen, it's been mine. So make sure that there's two other people to witness the transfer. Almost uh, what sort of good advice than a, than a halacha. Again, it is halacha. You need three people. But that halacha seems instituted, I guess, for the functioning of society. It would make too many machloikas, etc. Um, now, just a few interesting points to discuss on this. So, so this is these three daf are essential, or four daf are essential to understanding hefker. As we've seen, there's been quite a few interesting points. Um, Let's go. Let's start with the run here. He says, "Uleinian halacha b'puksaid Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Shua ben Levi." Regarding the machlokes, Rabbi Yosh, Rabbi Yochanan, and Rabbi Shua ben Levi, Natina and Rabbi Shua ben Levi to Amar Dvar Torah filu be'echor have hefker. We paskin like Rabbi Shua ben Levi that according to Torah law, it is hefker even if it was only done with before one person. Um, that whenever you see something like that, so the Torah says you only need one person, but according to Rabbi Yosha ben Levi. There's a Xavier Drabon that you need three people. You always have to answer, what's your effect if you do one, if he does it with one person? And what, what I mean by that is when Drabon come along and almost modify or add on conditions to the Doraisa, does the Doraisa still stand or have they totally overridden it? There's other examples like Basuka. There's certain times when if you have a sukkah certain size and you sit in a certain way, Doraisa you fulfill the obligation. But Midrabon, and you're not allowed because you might lean over and eat from in your house. So there do we say, so what happens if you did sit in that sort of sukkah? Have you at least on a Doraisa level fulfilled your mitzvah, you've just been over the, the Rabbonin requirement? Or have you not done any mitzvah because Rabbonin said that's not how you do the mitzvah? Um, I, think, I think one of the places discussed is also about Kiddush on Shabbos. 
if I come and I say, uh, today is uh, Friday night service, you say today is, you daven and you say today is Shabbos, and it's in memory of Zeichel and Masebereshis and Yetzirah Mitzrayim, but not over a cup of wine. Have you fulfilled the Dorais requirement of Kiddush? Or once the Rabbana will come along and say you have to do Kiddush over a cup of wine, that's the only way to fulfill the Dorais and Mitzvah of doing Kiddush. So interesting thing, you can ask the same thing here. If someone is Matkir Sunday before wine, does it have any effect? Why is this important to know? Because remember the Mishnah. How did we come on to this discussion of Hefke? How did you come on to the, the Mitzvah of Hefke? We came on to it because the Mishnah says if you have two travellers and one person, and they're walking with each other, and he's not allowed to get benefit from him, the, and he doesn't have any food, what his friends allowed to do, put it down and say, this is Hefker, and the other person can come and eat it. But didn't you just tell me that Hefker has to be done before three people? How does that case work? How can I ever put something down and say, it is Hefker, when I'm traveling with one other person who needs less food? So, I mean, there are various answers. The one, I think the easiest one given is there are Bonin wave their Gezerah, where in such a, a case of desperation. You know, this person, they're traveling, he's starving, he'll have nothing to eat if he doesn't, uh, and if, he, if, we, if, if Rabbonin kept their rules of health care, he would have nothing to eat. So therefore they said in, the, in these pressing situations, you can go back on the Doraisa law that you can do health care before uh, three people. Um, there's another question is here we say, so you can do Hefker before one person, Doraisa. Can you do Hefker by yourself? Can I sit by myself in my house and say, oh, that item of mine is Hefker? Or do I at least have to do it to one other person? So that seems to be a machlok as the Rosh and the Rambam. Um, Because, yeah, um, I mean, the language here is um, even if there's one person, it, has, it is hefker, according to Torah law. So is that saying, but there has to be one person? Or is that saying, you don't need three, even one or even none would also be fine? So that's, um, as I said, I'm like, as Rambam and Rosh, how do I understand that? Um, the Rosh says, even if you by yourself, sitting in your bedroom, you can be mafkir, something of yours, no one has to hear it. Um, it has uh, just two interesting ramifications of this discussion of hefker and and before one or nine or three people. First one is um, What's the mechanism? We know in Pesach we're very strict and we search for chomets, we clean out our house. Well, it's not a little, you know, we search for chomets and including the search is cleaning out our house. We destroy all our chomets and we do bitul. Now, definitely to our eyes, say you only have to do bitul. Bitul is where we say that paragraph, I consider all the chomets in the house, ka'afra, ara, etc., etc. What are you doing when you make it bitul? So, Tosfos, and this is how everyone learned it over there, Tosfos say, um, once he does bitul, it is hefker. I say, everyone learned that Tosfos holds bitul is the same uh, mechanisms as hefker. Some of the, the, the Ramban asks, I remember hearing a shir, I just don't remember all the questions. I think it's a five questions or something like that, or three or five, you know, quite a few questions on Tosos that he's not happy with. And one of them is, you can do bitul chomets by yourself. If bitul chomets is hefker, it should have to be done before three people, as you just see. Um, another question was, um, uh, 
Yeah, okay, I've forgotten if I remember any then I'll bring them back. But that's the Tosa. So therefore the Ramban comes along and says, no, Bittul is its own mechanism. It's not Hefker. Bittul is its own uh, mechanism. Um, maybe another question is it only works according to the Rabbana because remember, according to it is, and I think we might, we might maybe we even pass like Rabbi Yossi, it's not so clear. Uh, this is all... I have a feeling when Pascal and Grabiosi can look into that, but um it only leaves your issues when someone else comes and acquires it. Whereas Bachomet we well anyone no, anyone, any non Jew can. Yeah. And a Jew can try, at least then you won't be either. Um, but whereas even if, if I have a loaf of bread and I put it down and I say it's healthcare and no one else comes and takes it, according to Rabbiosi it's still my bread. Until someone. So, so there are quite a few questions on Tosas that the Raman asked. And he said, therefore, Betul is its own type of, uh, type of, and it's almost a total disregard for it. He says, I don't care about it. It's like dust to me. It's like nothing. I don't care about it. And it's its own mechanism that works for Tosas. The run over there gives an interesting, I don't know if he's arguing on the above opinions or just trying to clarify, but he gives a different perspective, which I thought was, which is quite interesting, is that. By Chomets, you don't really need a good Hefker. You're right. If you need a good, a proper Hefker, you need three people. But by Chomets, you don't. Why? Because by Chomets, we say, really, it doesn't belong to you. Why not? Because the Torah views anything that you're not allowed to get benefit from is not yours. Because it's, uh, it's not yours. Um... Because you can't uh, show your ownership over it. You're not allowed to sell it. You're not allowed to use it. You're not allowed to give it away. So it's not yours. Comets is not yours. Just, oh, but we say you transgress owning comets. Yeah, the Torah came along and made it as if it's yours. To transgress Bali Ro, Bali Mate. Either putting those mitzvahs, Hashem says, I view that comet unless you get rid of it as yours. Um, and that's, uh, so the Ran says, it's not a, it's, only kind of yours, so you only need a kind of hefker to take it out of your rishus, and that's why it should be effective. Um, that is, um, that's, uh, so that's one point of between chomets and hefker. And then you also have to make sure that the bitul chomets is being done wholeheartedly, which, um, but that, yeah, that's a separate question. And another case where this has an interesting ramification is why we know you're not, your animals are not allowed to work on Shabbos. She says that the Torah says, you and your sons and daughters and animals and slaves, etc., will rest on Shabbos. So you're not allowed to work animals on Shabbos. What so you're not supposed to hire them to announce you over Shabbos. The question here is, what happens if you don't get to get your animal back before Shabbos? And now you have to assume that the you is going to work it on Shabbos. And you're not allowed to uh, have it work on Shabbos. It's the same as you may why? A maid is different because she's her own independent person. But that's referring to us like a slave. Yes, sir. I definitely wrote down the wrong source.
Not uh, wrote the wrong source down. Simon Reish Mem Vov Sif Gimel says also the Hashir or the Hashil Behemta la Ena Yehudi Kedeshi Asa b'Malacha b'Shabbos She Aram Tzave Al Shvisus Behemta. Chabi says you're not allowed to rent out or lend your animal to a non-Jew so that he can work with it on Shabbos because the person is commanded to that his animals also rest on Shabbos. Says Aval then the Ramos says Aval Yochal Askira Oila Shila Lehis Nois. She actually ran a lot of Kainim Shabbos. You can uh, rent it or lend it to him with the condition that he returns it to you before Shabbos. It doesn't help to make the condition in the contract that he's not allowed to use it on Shabbos. Because can't, you can't trust him on this. Then he says, Back to the Machaber, he says, What happens if you do lend it and you're not able to get a backbone before Shabbos? Uh, you say, Look, uh, time's up, I need my donkey back. He says, Yeah, I'm bringing it, I'm bringing it, I'm stuck in traffic, you know, comes up with a whole lot of excuses, and before you know it, he's got it over Shabbos. He says, Make it hefker, by yourself. Shabbos. When eat before Shabbos. Or you're saying your mind say that you're giving it to the non-Jew kadesh. You're not some isur d'oraisa. You're saying it from the isur d'oraisa. Um, and then the Ramon adds him. If you want, you can be mafkirit before three people. Kedin shar hefker like like other hefker. I feel a hachi ain't shum adam yochal iskus ba. The vaday ain't come on us or akkaday lav kiyem olav isu shabbos. He says very interesting. He says and still no one else is allowed to go and take your animal because your intent is clearly just to remove the isu shabbos. But dafka be shabbos and this is specifically uh, on shabbos. But on yom tov there is no requirement. So very interesting. We see firstly the machaber seems to say you can do it by yourself. And the mishabura is sensitive to this. He discusses it. Um, He says, says, that we say Hefke needs three, but that's Midorabonant. Doraisa, it's sufficient to just have one person. And since you've already told him that he has to return it to you before Shabbos, and for every reason that things got delayed, he didn't get to return it before Shabbos, this is sufficient to save you from Isudoraisa. Um, and then he says, he brings, you know, the base. Yosef says that some hold that you do need three, and ideally that's how you should, you should be... Uh, um, you need uh, three people, and then he says, 
amongst the greatest poskim. Some hold you need at least one, even to be yotzei to oraisa. And this he brings. This is as we said. The Rambam says hefker has to be done at least before one other person. And that's how the the mechaber actually paskins in uh, if in choshen mishpat. So actually, then you end up with a contradiction because here the mechaber says you can do it by yourself, and there he says you need at least one to be doraisa. Okay, but. Um, Yeah, but this would all be like a last resort when you try to get your animal back and you couldn't. You can't ever do this with that in mind. Okay, I think Hadron Allah ain't bein amudar. Hadron Allah ain't bein amudar. Hadron Allah ain't bein amudar. Let's start the new parrot. Quite a short parrot. Um, so Memham with Bayes. We're going to discuss a uh, commonly owned courtyard. Hashutfin that own a courtyard and they take a netter against getting benefit from each other. So just to discuss um, <coughs> their courtyards, remember they would have multiple houses. So just for simplicity, let's discuss these two people have their houses opening into the courtyard. And their courtyards were more than just a garden. It was, uh, they would actually use it. They'd keep the ovens there and bake in the courtyard. Remember they didn't have electric ovens or gas ovens. They had uh, fires and so so they would have it in there. They would raise chickens there. It was like a mini uh, I don't know, extension of the kitchen. Um, so that's their courtyard. And they would mill things there. So now, and then there's two types of courtyards we'll see. There's a courtyard and a courtyard that There's a courtyard that meets the minimum requirements that one of the parties can insist that they divide. The minimum requirements are basically. Dalit Amos by Dalit Amos, four by four Amos by every entrance that opens into it, right from each of the houses, and still four Amos remaining in the courtyard. Then let's say we share this courtyard, one of us can insist we split it. That's the Yash Bodin Chaluka. The courtyard, how we're going to explain the Mishnah, which is again, it's a discussion in the Gemara about how we'll explain it, is we're discussing a courtyard It's too small, so neither party can force a division. And therefore, basically, the courtyard is owned by both of us and used by both of us. And that's where you run into trouble. What happens if we've each taken a netter that we're not allowed to get benefit from each other? Am I allowed in my own courtyard? Am I, what am I allowed to do in it when, when I am getting benefit from you? Because it's also your courtyard and you could also be using it. So that's the... Um, that's what we just have. So he says, shoot finish and not draw no there. If you have shoot off in partners, they own they share have share ownership in this courtyard, they're not allowed to even go into the courtyard. Wow, that's quite strict. Why? So the simplest way to learn is like the Ran explains the Ran always says we Paskin like the opinion that Vitur, even these very light I don't know what lights are on word, but even these very uh, Light um, benefits are also if you have a Buddha and all. So just walking through someone's property, it's a minimal benefit, but it is. Or even when the shopkeeper throws in another apple because you're buying a whole huge box of apples, minimal benefit, no one cares about it, you do it anyway, you're still allowed to, you're still not allowed to get the, that benefit. So that's why, even though, so you're not allowed to walk into the courtyard because you're also walking into this guy's courtyard. Who you're not allowed to get benefit from. Yaakov says they can each go into the courtyard because you view it as if they're each only going into 
their courtyard. Aye, so the two people who took an oath from getting each other, when Ruvain walks into the courtyard, we view it as he's walking into what's his. And when Chimul walks into the courtyard, we view it as he's walking into what's his. Um, I'll come back and explain what the Machloikes is. That's, uh, that's where, that's half the, half the run on the page. Um, but let's just read one more line. However, both of them are forbidden to, um, to set up a millstone, an oven, or raise chickens. What's the, this is a little bit easier, so I'm going to start with this point. Why can you, according to Rebbe ben Yaakov, you can walk into the courtyard, and we view it as if you're walking into your courtyard, and when you want to raise chickens there, or you want to put an oven there, we say you can't, because you're getting benefit. So the simple answer is, or the straightforward answer is, that each of them are allowed to walk into the courtyard, and neither of them can place restrictions on each other in that, in that area. However, even if it's a jointly owned courtyard, the one party is allowed to say, I don't want you to put your oven there. I don't want you to put your raised chickens in it. Anything. So now he has that right to stop the person doing what he wants in the courtyard. So the person, if he does get to put his oven there, raise chickens there, mill flour there, etc., he is getting benefit from the other party because, again, the other party could stop him. We see it is that. To a degree, it's the other person, and the other person allowing him to is considered a benefit. Okay, now let's just try and understand this machloikes. Why should you or should you not be allowed to walk into this courtyard? Okay. Um, yeah, why should you or should you not be allowed to walk into this courtyard? So, the run explains, and we'll go according to this first way that the run explains, is that the machloikes is based on Breira. What's Breira? We've come across retroactive clarification. I, uh, um, do we say what we know now is what actually was pre, predetermined from the time, from the outset? I.e., another way of looking at it is when I go into, granted, we own this courtyard in partnership, therefore, again, and it's not that we own 50%, 50% of the area because it's a courtyard that's not divisible, it's too small. Obviously, if we agree and we want to put a, you know, but neither of us can force a division because it's too small to be considered usable. So it's jointly owned. So what would it be? What would my ownership be? That I'm allowed in the courtyard when I go in the courtyard and you're allowed in the courtyard when you go in the courtyard. So the division's almost like time-based. Again, it's flexi-time. And when we came along and bought this in partnership or when we took the nadir that we're not allowed to get benefit from each other, the do we say that when I walk in the courtyard, it's at the time of the net. I was ne- from the time that we became partners in this courtyard, it was always destined to be my courtyard at that time. I retroact what I'm doing now shows what was at the time of the um, what what was earlier. And how wrote is do we say what we know now? determines or shows us what it was from the outside. So Rabbi Eliezer holds Yesh Breira. Rabbi Eliezer holds that there is Breira. And therefore, whenever, them want, whenever one of them walk into it, it shows that it was always his to walk in at that time. And, and since, yeah, um, when we 
as Shutfim discussed, buying this courtyard together, almost hidden in the document is, oh, on Monday night at 8 p.m. I'll be walking in. And Monday morning at 6 p.m. at 6 a.m. I'll be leaving. And you'll be walking in also at 8 p.m., doesn't really matter, or at uh, 3 p.m. and leaving at uh, 7 a.m., whatever it is. That's all. Once that happens, that shows us that's what it was at the time of uh, the division. And therefore, I'm always only walking into my own property. The Rabbonin holds Ein Brera. No, we don't hold for that opinion that... Um, We don't hold that you can retroactively clarify. Therefore, when I'm walking in to the courtyard, it's both of ours. And when you walk into the courtyard, it's both of ours. So we are getting benefit from each other, and therefore it's also, and that's why the mission says they're not even allowed to enter into the courtyard if they take such a nether. Whereas the says, no, they can each walk in. It's as if they're walking into their own courtyard. The run then just addresses. And, yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot to address in the run, as you can see, but we'll just, there's one problem that the run brings out, and that is, don't we say that you can only take a nether on what is yours? So if you're telling me that the courtyard is not mine, then how can the nether take effect on what's not mine? Again, this is not a question on Rebeleza, because Rebeleza goes according to Brera, but according to Rabbon, and that we both own, we both fully own the courtyard, and its usage, how can I take a neder against you when um, it's not mine? But the fact that I'm saying I can't go into this, but the fact that I'm saying I can't walk into the courtyard when we have, well, neither of us can walk into the courtyard when we've taken a neder against each other. So let's just look from our perspective. I can't walk into the courtyard because it belongs to you. So now how can I take a neder that forbids you to go in? That's the that's a question we've seen a few times. You can't take an, a point we've seen. So that's uh, so the run answer is very interesting. He says, no, you have to explain that there's the goof, there's the actual courtyard, and that is what we each own together. However, there's the shibud, the right to the courtyard, and that we own independently. I have a shibud on the courtyard to use it, and you have a shibud on the courtyard to use it. And that that's a... I mean, besides, we'll see how the nether works, but that's an undeniable right. It's kind of like when I, if I ask, can I, can I borrow your car because I need to get to X, you're giving me the right to use the car. So, so to this partnership, I have a shibut, I have a lead, I have a right to use the courtyard, even though you're right, we equally own the goof. And he says, there's a principle that, koinomos mafkinoso midei shibut. A konam, a neder, can uproot something from its shibud. So what are we saying? It is my property and the rights of usage are mine. Oh, you have a shibud, you have a, a undeniable rights to, to it. A neder can uproot those rights. And that's what's happening here. So the, when each of us take a neder that we're not allowed to get benefit from each other, that neder uh, pulls off rips off the rights that we have to use it, and that's why it remains awesome. Um, yeah. 
There are other ways of learning. Um, another big thing that the Ram goes on to, I mean, he gives other ways of learning, the Rabbi Natami Ramban's way, and then another thing he goes into is how we paskin, because elsewhere we seem to say, Babreira, we go strict, but here we paskin like Rabbi Lezeb and Yaakov, who's the one who says that you can rely on Breira. So that's, a, that's what a large part of the Ram is also going into, but we'll leave it here for today. Have a very good Shabbos.